Turning your Bibles to Ephesians 2, we're continuing our study of what we're calling the relationship between Christ and the church. And what we're doing is we're seeing this unique relationship between Jesus Christ and the believers. And what we did is we're looking at seven different things. We started with the shepherd and the sheep. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. The emphasis was salvation. He's the groom, we're the bride. The emphasis is relationship. Then we're now, this is the one we're in now. He's the last Adam, we're the new creation. And the emphasis is a new person. We'll probably start next week. We'll look at he's the great high priest, we're the priest, and the whole idea comes back to worship. We'll see he's the vine, we're the branches. The idea is growth, that we can abide in him, produce much fruit. He's the head, we're the body. We've seen that a lot. Paul really dealt with that in 1 Corinthians. And then one is one of my favorites is he's the cornerstone and we're the building blocks. And the dip, the whole idea there is even evangelism as we build, uh, basically grow, grow the church, that idea. So there's some great things we'll see. Uh, over the weeks, we're in the, the third one, we're the last Adam and the new creation, and, and that's what we see. And it's a little bit strange because you say, what do you mean the last Adam and new creation? And we talked about that Jesus is the last Adam, the one who came and died and rose again. When we believe in him, we're connected with Christ. We die and rose again with him to a new life, and so we become the new creation. And so this might be a little bit strange way of looking at it. We've talked about it in the past. And what we see is that Jesus Christ is the last Adam. He died and rose again. As we are in union with him by faith, in other words, when we believe in Christ, we're placed in union with Christ, he gives us life, and we become new creation. So it's a, it's a great thing. Uh, we saw last time, or the, the, uh, this time we're going to see the contrast between the old creation and the new creation. We're going to see how this ties in to the last Adam, his death and resurrection. So there's some, some great things, and we'll see how that goes. So let's do this. Let's pray for our lesson. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, as we look at this. We know it's a little bit harder to think about it. And, and Lord, when we think about that, we were an old creation, and now we're a new creation. And we thank you, Lord, that we never, never take that for granted what you've done for us based on our connection with the last Adam, the one who died and rose again, the one who gives life. And we believe in Jesus Christ, we're placed in him, and we are given life, new life, and we become a new creation. Lord, we just ask you, teach us now. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the truth is this. When we're born into this world, we come into this world dead in sin. We are physically alive, but spiritually dead. Now, people don't even think about that. But in Ephesians 2, 1, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then in Ephesians 2, 5, he says, and when, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. And that's 2, 5. He goes on later on, of course, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where he says, by grace you have been saved. He says it earlier in Ephesians 2, 5. Now, I want you to look at that verse for a second. Even when we were dead, spiritually dead, in our transgressions, what did he do? He made us alive together. That's the union with Christ. We died and rose again with him. And how does that happen? It's by grace that you're saved through faith. So we come into this world dead and trespass and sins, and now we're made alive. And so what we realize is that we are given eternal life uh, by faith in Christ. We are placed in union with Christ, and we become a new creation. We are placed in him and become the new creation. Now, what we did, did last time, because we said it ties together with the last Adam and the new creation, we saw last time the contrast of the first Adam and the last Adam. First Adam is the one called Adam, and the last Adam is Jesus Christ. We talked about it. Even some of my slides were messed up last time, but it's not first Adam, second Adam. It's first Adam, last Adam. So the first Adam was created in the garden. Uh, it was a created being in the garden. The last Adam is the eternal son of God. We saw also the first Adam in that 
first atom all die and the last atom all are made alive. And we saw that. So that, there were some lot of great things. But here's the key as we look at this. By faith in Christ, the last Adam, we are placed in union with Christ and become a new creation. So I hope you've got that. I just want you to see that. And we're going to really contrast this morning between the old creation and the new creation. I just want you to put this together. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is where? In Christ. In union with Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Well, the old things are gone. And new things are come. And so we're going to take this a little bit, and I didn't uh, put it together in that way, but we're going to look at the difference between the old creation and the new creation. And I've got this. I think it's on your handout. Is it? It is on your handout, is it not? Okay. So look at this. This is the old and the new. The old creation was dead in sin. The new creation is alive in Christ. The old creation lived contrary to what God wanted. The new creation lives obedient to what God wants. The old creation is a child of wrath, the new creation, there's no wrath. And so we'll see it as we take just a little bit of time to go through this and raise some, raise some things. And if you've got questions or comments, we'll talk about it. I don't, I don't think this is a very long lesson, so uh, if when we get through, we can go on to grow groups and, and talk about this even in more detail. But notice, dead in sin, alive in Christ. Live contrary, live obedient. Child of wrath, no wrath, and we'll see it. So let's start first with uh, we bec- the great point again. We become new creations by faith in Christ, who is the last Adam, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So let's talk about the first one, the old self. Our old self, our old creation, we were dead in sin. We come into this world dead in sin. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. It says, and you were... And, of course, Paul is writing to understand something. Uh, when you read the Bible, you've got to understand who, who's the author and who is he writing to. Almost every, almost every New Testament book is written to believers. Don't start saying, they look at a verse and say, oh, this is talking about unbelievers, when it's talking about believers and it's talking to believers. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. These believers, he's telling them about, about them, and look what he says. And you were past tense, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. I just want to remind you that there are two words for sin there. One is trespass and one is the word just for the word for sin. Trespass means to step over the line. That means to on purpose do something wrong. Any of you in this room ever on purpose did something wrong? Nobody go raise their hand you, until you're lying right there. So you're lying in your own purpose. You're doing something wrong by lying, okay? And then the second one is the other word is, is the word sin, which means to miss the mark. And that means even if you're trying to do good, sometimes you mess up. So when we think about our lives, we come into this world and we're dead in the fact that oftentimes we're trying to live good and we fall short. And then there are other times we're not even trying. We say, I know that's not right, but I'm going to do it. Have you ever talked with people that say, well, I know what the Bible says, but I won't. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I talk to people all the time who are on purpose doing something they know is contrary to the Bible, but they say, well, it really doesn't matter. Well, it does, it does. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were spiritually dead, but guess what? The new creation, by faith in Jesus Christ, we become alive. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, and we were... He has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved 
and then he raised us up with him. Now notice, this is, this is unusual, and you can't tell it in the English, but you can tell it in the original language. It says, we were dead in our transgressions. He made us alive. He says, we come together. We're in union with Christ. He made us together alive with Christ. And then look what he goes on to say, and he raised us up with him, same thing. He's connected us with him. And then look what it goes on to say, and seated us with him in heavenly places. So not only did he make us alive, he raised us up and he seated us with him, all in connection with Christ. You realize that when Jesus died, guess what? You what? You died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he rose again, you rose again to a new life. We're going to see that in just a few minutes. But that's the key. We were destined for separation because we were dead in sin and now we're alive in Christ. I think when, when people think about life, they don't always realize that the life, the life that Christ gives is eternal life. It's eternal life. In fact, he'll say that they might have a wife in his name. And they're not talking about that you might live for a while. It's eternal life. So here's the chart again. So we've seen we were dead. Now we're alive. Now we're going to see we lived contrary. And now we live obedient. So look what it says. The old creation, we live contrary. Look at verse 2. In which you formerly walked. Now this is past tense. The Greek word there, peripatao, is the Greek word for walk. It means to go around. It's the idea of lifestyle. So it says, in which you formerly lived lifestyle. Notice, according to the course of what? The world. According to the prince of the power of air. Who's that? The devil. And then, verse 3, and among them we also lived in the lust of our flesh. So, how did we live? We walked according to the world, the devil, and the flesh. Now, there's something a lot of people don't always think about. Satan, that's Satan, controls the world, and the world affects our what? Flesh. That's what it's all about. When people say the devil's after me, well, first of all, if the true devil is after you, you're the most important person in the world at that point, because he's a, he's, a, he's a being. He can only be one place at a time. He's not like God who can be omnipresent. So if you said, Satan's after me, I would say, what in the world are you doing? I mean, because you must be the most amazing person in the world for him to actually pick you out. You remember, Satan picked out, actually, Satan didn't pick out Job. God picked out Job and let Satan do some things with him. The truth is, Satan controls a fallen world system, and that world system affects us affects our natural bent to sin. So what does he say? He said, you walked according to the world, you walked according to the devil, and you walked according to the lust of your flesh. That's how we lived. But, but now, as a new creation, we walk what? Worthy of our calling. Ephesians 4.1, I beseech you, brethren, to walk worthy of the calling which you've been called. Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're to walk worthy. We're to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to walk in love. We're to, all of those things. We're to live righteously and godly. Now, when I say we, we were disobedient and now we're obedient, it is true that there are sometimes we're still disobedient because we still have the flesh. The goal of the Christian life is that we would walk worthy of the calling. We would live out who we are. We would, we would live righteously and godly. We would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. All of those things. Listen, let me just tell you something. Uh, Ephesians is such an incredible book. I got to do the, the Ephesians for that commentary set, so I had to do it. It took, it took a long time. I'd already taught it a bunch, and when you start writing a commentary, it is not easy. And, but if you look at Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3 say, this is who you are. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, 
this is how you live. So sometimes if you want to, take the book and say, okay, I'm going to read chapters 1, 2, and 3, and it's going to tell me who I am. I was dead in sin, now I'm alive in Christ. I, I, this, and then when you get to chapter 4, he says, I want you to walk worthy of the calling which you call. That's chapter 4, verse 1. And for the whole rest of the book, he says, now this is how you live out who you are. It's a great book. It's a great book. And so here's what he says. Walk worthy of our calling. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Live righteously and godly in the present age. So we've seen that. Now, there's a third thing. And we, we've dead in sin, now we're alive. We lived contrary, now we live obedient. We were children of wrath. We were a child of wrath, and now there's no wrath. Now, I want you to think about that. What does that mean, a child of wrath? The old creation was destined for wrath. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 3 again. He says, among them too, we all lived in the lust of our flesh. Okay, he's already said the world, the devil, and now the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh. Uh, we, we lived according to the flesh and, and of the mind. And then he goes on to say, and we were by nature children of what? Children of wrath. What was, if, what's going to happen to an unbeliever? They're going to experience the ultimate what? Wrath of God, which is to be separated. I mean, it's going to be separated from God forever. That's the ultimate deal. And, and they're going to be separated. And so we were destined by nature. We were destined to wrath. That's what was supposed to happen, children of wrath. But look at the new creation. But by faith in Jesus Christ, there is no wrath. What does John 3, 18 say? He who believes is not what? Condemned. But he who believes not is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God. To those who believe, there is no what? No condemnation. There's no wrath. No separation. We will never perish. What does John 3, 16? Whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. There's no wrath coming for us. That's why I even mentioned this morning in the service that sometimes people think when you stand before Jesus Christ at the uh, judgment seat of Christ that you're going to be really upset because he's going to say, well, when you're in the third grade, you did this, and when you were 18, you did this, and when you were 32, you did this, and you're going to think about all the things you did wrong, and he's going to bring that up, but he's not. You're never going to experience condemnation or wrath of God because all the sins that you've ever done are placed on Christ. And he, when you believed in him, he gave you his righteousness. He put you in union with him. He made you to be a new creation. And you're going to live forever with him. So you never have to say, oh, I'm dreading the day when he looks at me and says, here's all the things you did wrong. He's already dealt with that. He's already taken it away. Now, the embarrassing thing is he may say, I wish you'd have done more right, right? <laughs> That's what he's probably going to say. I wish I'd have done a lot more right. I could give you some rewards. And so, by, so whoever believes in him is not condemned. Now, with that in mind, we raise this question, and that is how in the world do we get connected with him? It's, it's by faith. Therefore, if, in Christ, in union with him, we are a new creation. When we are in union with Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. Well, how do we get to be in union with him? It's by faith in Christ. Now, I want to show you something that I think is a great passage. It's a little bit hard, but turn to Romans chapter 6. Just kind of flip back in your Bible to Romans chapter 6. And I think that Adam has taught this many times. I've taught this in my class some. This is, the, this is the key truth, how to have victory in the Christian life. 
The true truth is that you died in the nose of Christ to a new life. You're a new person. You don't have to live in sin anymore because you did the sin and alive in Christ. So let's look at Ephesians, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 6. Uh, let me just uh, quickly look at uh, verses 1 and 2 for you. Look at it with me. He, uh, Paul is writing, and he's saying, you're saved and saved forever. In fact, in chapter 5, he says, now been justified by faith. We have peace with God. Man, we're doing great. We've got this and this and this and this, and God has saved us. And somebody could say, as some people say, so you're telling me I'm saved and saved forever. That means I can do what? Live any way I want to. Did you know that's the charge against us as a church? People, we'd never say this. We never say because you're saved in Christ, you can live any way you want to. In fact, we tell you the opposite. We say because you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and you're saved and saved forever and nothing can change that, then you're to live righteously and God, you're to live out who you are. But there are people in this town who say, the people at Stillwater Bible, they'll tell you, you can believe in Jesus and you're saved forever and you can live any way you want to. And we say, no, that's not true. We don't say that. We don't say that. Now, a natural thing to think is if you're saved forever and how you live has no bearing on your eternal destiny, what could some people say? Well, then it really doesn't matter how you live, right? It doesn't really matter how you live. Well, it does because it deals with what? Rewards. But look what Paul, he raises the same question. Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Now that we're saved and saved forever... Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Since, since God's grace covers all sin and we're saved and saved forever, then why don't we just keep sinning because he'll just keep covering it? What does Paul say? Verse 2, may it never be. In the Greek, it's a Greek little term. It's only used about five times, and it's called meganoita, which means never, may it never, don't even think this way. Don't even think this way. So if you were to say to yourself, you know, I'm saved and saved forever because that's what the Bible says. I have eternal life. And it really doesn't matter how I live. So I can live any way I want to. Paul says, don't you think that way? Meganoita, don't ever think that way. Because look what he says. Don't you know? No, he basically says in verse 2, may it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? When did you die to sin? When you believed in Jesus and he put you in union with Christ and Jesus died and what? Rose again and you died and rose again to sin. Watch what he says. Don't you know, verse 3, that all of us who have been baptized, who have been placed in union into Christ Jesus, have been placed in union into his death. By the way, when you see the word baptized, don't think of water baptism. The word baptized means to be in union, to be in connection, to identify so he's actually saying, don't you know all of us who have been identified into Christ Jesus have been identified into his death? When did you get identified in Jesus' death? The moment you believed. What happened? You actually died with Jesus. When he died, you died. You've been placed in union with him. That's when we do baptism. What do we do? We put people in that tub thing out there. I get in there and I say something like, these people are giving their testimony of the fact that they put their faith in Christ and they died and rose again with him. And we take them and they die and rise again. That's what baptism is. It's a picture of their death and resurrection with Christ. So Paul says, don't you know? That all of us who have been identified into Christ Jesus have been identified into his what? Into his death. Did we die with him? 
Yeah, we did. We died with him. We've been identified in his death. But he's not through because he goes on to say, therefore, therefore, we have been buried with him through identification of his death. Was he buried? We got buried too, didn't we? And then he says, we've been buried with him through his identification and his death, so that as Christ was what? Raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. So what? We too might walk in newness of life. How can we walk in newness of life? Because we've been what? Raised from the dead. Look at this. We were buried and raised to a new life. Now that's your connection with the last Adam who died and rose again. And when you connect with him, you're a new creation in Christ because you die with him and you rose with him to a new life. You know how you have victory in the Christian life? Most of us think it's this way. I go through life. I allow my flesh to get me. I sin. I go, oh, I sinned. So now I'm going to confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. I'm okay. Oh, sinned again. Mm. Faithful and just. Oh, come, come Whoop, sinned again. Right? That's how we think Christian life is. You know what Paul says in Romans chapter 6? He says, stop sinning. He says, you died and rose in Christ to a new life. Therefore, stop letting sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Do not go and present the members of your body as sin, as, as members of unrighteousness. Present yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. That's a little further down in the passage. He's actually saying, don't present your body to the flesh to sin because you died and rose again Christ to a new life. Present your body to the new creation. That's what he actually says. So when we wake up, we say, I'm a new creation in Christ. That's who I am. We've talked about this many times, and we say that many Christians look at themselves as sinners. And there's an old saying, we're just a sinner saved by grace. It is true, you're a sinner saved by grace, but your Christian life is not a sinner saved by grace. Your Christian life is a new creation who has victory in the Christian life. We don't go around our Christian life saying, I'm just an old sinner. I'll sin, I'll confess it. I'll sin, I'll confess it. Now, there's nothing wrong. When you sin, what should you do? Confess it. But what does Paul say? Quit sinning. That's what he actually says. He says, stop letting sin reign in your mortal body. He says, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't present your members to sin. He's saying, don't take this body and sin with it. He said, because you're a new creation in Christ. You died and rose again with Christ to a new life. You died to the flesh. You died to the sin. You don't have to obey it. You don't have to. How many, how many obey it? You're lying again. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Don't you know you're lying? But the truth is, we all disobey it. But if we would just say, okay, I know who I am. I died and rose again to Christ to a new life. My old self is crucified, put to death. I'm a new creation in Christ because of my connection with the last Adam. And I can have victory. And so I don't have to go through life sinning, confessing, sinning, confessing. There's nothing wrong with that. If you sin, confess it. But Paul says, don't sin. I know that sounds like somebody's saying, well, that's not possible. Well, if you're walking in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the what? Lust of the flesh. It's only when the temptation comes and we yield to that temptation that we have problems. Temptation itself is not sin. Look what he says in this passage right here. Having been buried with him in what? Baptism, which is what? Identification. Having been buried with him in this identification in which you were also what? Raised up 
with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, raised Jesus from the dead, raised us from the dead. Do you realize that we died and rose again with Christ to a new life? And so as we go through our Christian lives, we should say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creation. Old things are passed away. New things have come. That's who we are. So let's quit going around like we're just expecting ourselves to sin all the time, and let's see if we can have some victory. So the resurrection of Christ declares him as the last Adam, and our union with him makes us a new creation. Think about it as a new person. What do we We're partakers of the eternal inheritance. You realize that? There, there's two things. There's an inheritance that you automatically get as a child of God. And then there's inheritance, which you earn, which are rewards. You automatically got an inheritance, talks about in Peter. Second is, we, all, we have all the spiritual blessings in Christ. Just read Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 starts, and it goes through about verse 17, and in the original language, that's one sentence. That's one sentence. And it tells you all these blessings in Christ. We're justified. We're declared righteous. We're changed from citizens on earth to what? Citizens in heaven. That's who we are. Now, what's our response? And we're running out of time, but look what, let's, let's, what we find in Ephesians 4. So you're in Ephesians, oh, you're in Romans. Go back to Ephesians real quickly. I want you to see something. Ephesians chapter 4. Did we have an old manner of life? That's because we are old what? Creation. Do we have a new manner of life? Why? Go we're a new creation. Look what he says in Ephesians 4.22. He says that, in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside that old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. He says, put off what? The old. Do you know what that word lay aside is? It's like a jacket. And he's going to say, take off the jacket. Because in a minute, he's going to say, and put on the other jacket. Watch what he says. In reference to your former manner of life, take off that jacket of your old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of the seed, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the what? The new jacket, the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. He says, take off your old jacket, which is the old person, the old creation, and put on the new jacket, which is the new person, the new creation, and live that way. That's how you have victory. That's why you say, who am I? Well, Jesus died and rose again. He's the last Adam. I believe in him. I'm connected with him. As he died and rose again, I died and rose again, and I'm a new creation in Christ. So he says, take off the old, renew it, put on the new in righteousness and holiness. Is this good stuff or what? I mean, is this powerful stuff or what? And it would change our lives if we would obey it, if we would believe it if we would live it out, if we would say, I'm going to quit living, I'm going to quit taking my body and presenting it to my flesh, which is dead to me, I'm going to take my body and present it to the Holy Spirit who's in me, and I'm going to live a righteous and godly life. That's the Christian life. And that's because of our connection with the, oh, the last Adam and with the new creation. So we've seen, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep, that's salvation. He's the groom, we're the bride, that's relationship. He's the last Adam, and he's, we're, uh, we're the new creation. That's being a new 
person. So let me give you some applications. Let's understand Jesus Christ is the last Adam who is the eternal Son of God who gives life. He's the life giver. In fact, Jesus Christ is eternal life. Okay? Second, let's understand that we came into this world dead in sin and destined for wrath. That's what, that's what, you know, let's just face it. Everybody that we know that is not a believer, and there are all kind of people that we deal with every day. We got friends that if you talk to them about Christ, they say, I don't believe that. What, what they don't realize, you might tell them that they don't necessarily believe it, but the truth is they're destined to die and be separated from God forever. The, the movie, The Sixth Sense, you remember the little boy said, what? I see what? I see dead people and they don't know they're dead. We see dead people all the time, every day, and they don't know they're dead. They think they're alive. They're spiritually dead, and they're destined for wrath. That's unbelievers. Let's understand that by faith in Christ, who is the last Adam, that we get eternal life and are placed in union with Christ and become a new creation. That's a long one, but that's really saying that when we, we believe in Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life, we get connected with him, and we become a new creation. So you're going to walk out these doors saying, I'm just old sinner saved by grace. You're going to walk out these doors saying, I'm a new creation in Christ who can live righteously and godly in this present world. How are we going to live? And that takes us to the last one. Let's understand we are to live out our union in Christ as a new creation by walking worthy of our calling. Paul says, live it out. Live it out. You don't have to live by the flesh. You can live by the Spirit.